0: And welcome in to another podcast. This one's going to be a little bit different than your average one. You know, typically we'll talk Pacers stuff. But I got my friend in here, Jason Smithers, to talk a lot about this Gordon Hayward documentary that you've surely seen either across social media and certainly on The Athletic over the last week. Jason is Gordon Hayward's skills trainer. Been with him quite a while and was with him throughout the entire last year as he rehabbed from that awful injury that we all witnessed um, in Cleveland. He's been through... This whole thing with him was there by his side every single day almost out in San Diego, up in Boston, and uh, even during some of his time in Indianapolis. So we bring Jason here to the podcast to talk things over. Jason, how are you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. I feel like we're always talking, so I figured it got to the level we might as well record, right? Probably. (laughs) It gets to that point. Well, Jason, you're a guy we've seen across social media. A lot of your stuff went viral, picked up by the national networks, as we got little snippets maybe once a month. Strategically, I gotta believe. Uh, throughout the year, we obviously see you all the time interacting with Gordon uh, across the documentary. Whether it's directly with him, testing him, timing him, or uh, behind the scenes, what exactly has been your role with him? Because I think you've worn many hats throughout this rehab process, specifically.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, at the start, it was like in the in the summer before, and in the past, it's been you know kind of as like a skills guy and you know, to expand his game. But after the injury happened, it was, you know, more so be kind of there. Like, so if he needed a ride, if he needed to go to appointments, you know, if he needed shakes made in the morning, I mean, I moved in with him for the first couple months, um, tried to keep as little of a footprint as possible (laughs) as I could, you know, with being, you know, having his family there. And I tried to hide myself away in the basement. Um, But no, a lot of it's just, It was kind of a what did we need to help him as it went along. It's a long, arduous process. It's not fun. It's not fun to be around. Um, But, you know, you got to have people that surround you, that can be honest with you, that can hold you accountable. And that's really – that was kind of the main thing was like make sure that he's where he needs to be, that he's doing what he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing. Pick him up on days when he needs to be picked up. You know, push him to do different things, try to improve, take him out of his comfort zone a little bit. Um, But yeah, but also at the same time, be a friend, be somebody to talk to if you need somebody late at night.
0: And that's how this relationship got started right between you two. You're just buddies. you were friends both from right here in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've known each other since we first started playing basketball. I mean, and yeah, we were training partners for a bit. And then, and for know, those
0: that don't know, you're like six, eight. So being training partners makes that a little more reasonable yeah, as then competition. He dec- then he
1: decided to put on weight and <laughs> I didn't. And yeah, and that's all that wrote. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a longstanding relationship between the two of us that allowed me to kind of have an insight into him of knowing the mental part of it and knowing, you know, what's, what was going on throughout that whole thing. And It's a trusting voice for him to have that it's just somebody else that's there every day because it can be really lonely, that whole process.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I think that is consistently said by guys that go through significant injuries that keep them out a year or more than that, like guys like Gordon Hayward, guys like Paul George, is number one, the mental aspect, but also they kind of fall back in love with the game. Maybe they took it for granted, they'll often say, and that goes once again back to the mental aspect of the game, which is incredibly important.
1: Yeah, it's... You, you, you hate it, and then you miss it, and then once you're able to start doing it again, you get frustrated and mm-hmm. because you're not what you were at the start, and you wonder, like, will I get there? How do I get there? And then once you start to have some success, you just you fall in love with the little things, and that's what when you're healthy and you're just going along throughout the season, you, there's so many things that you take for granted, like just going to a walkthrough, or shoot around, or just hanging out with the guys. and I'm
0: know. just thinking about little stretches. You do calf raises and, oh, and that's, yeah. those sorts of things that you should at least like do. Like walking, walking, Walk, normal, walking, running. Yeah, you could start there. Playing with your kids. And we saw one of the first videos you posted in some gym where it was him kind of running for the first time or, or going at an accelerated pace. And those are the little things we literally do not think about. We just naturally can do. Well, he had to start at the very bottom.
1: Yeah, and he made me run with him, <laughs> like in the video. The, like, so, so the day that he was supposed to run for the first time, he just looks at me and he's like, "You're running too." And I'm
0: this would have been in Boston. This was in right?
1: Boston, and I'm just in sweatpants, just hanging out, like kind of just watching, making sure things are good, and just overseeing, waiting for us to do basketball afterwards. And he's like, "You got your shoes right?" And I'm like, "For what?"
0: What are you trying to suggest here? <laughs> and he's
1: like, "Well, I'm only running if you're running." And it's like, "Hold on, hold on, I gotta run." <laughs> And he's like, yeah, you're my pace setter. I
0: was going to say, you're the competition. You're the guy pushing him. I get that.
1: And so, like, he, we, they were wanting him to run and, at a certain speed. And so, like, it, they had beeps set up. So it was supposed to you know, you know, go so many yards in so many seconds. So it was like, I think we started in the first day, it was like seven and a half miles an hour, a real slow jog, basically a fast walk. <laughs> and whenever yeah. he did it on his own, he wouldn't slow down. So he made me run with him. And so every time we ran in Boston, I had to run with him because he was like, Mm -hmm. come on. And that was kind of our theme the whole time was like all of us were kind of in it together. It was like no matter what it was, we all were doing, we all were in this to try to help him. And we all bought in too because it helps. It helps the moral, you know, the mental part when, you know, everybody around you is also invested.
0: I just think back to all these various videos that came out. The one that went viral of you guys in the pool, and I think you were in your tights and Danny Ainge, big boss there up in Boston, posted that one.
1: Yeah, that was uh, (laughs) that one was interesting. I never thought I would be on the internet in spandex. (laughs) Right? Um, I forget what was the
0: the goal, the purpose behind that activity.
1: Yeah, that whole thing was we were like Gordon was doing pool workouts at the time. And Steve, the physio, he was from Australia, which... As we can all tell in the documentary. Yeah, from his accent. Is is he
0: as hilarious as he seems like he would be? He's a nice guy. Yeah, Yeah. he's a
1: nice guy. And because of the accent, (laughs) it gives you you that added uh, level of comedy. But so one day it came up where Steve and I were kind of talking about who would win in a swimming contest. And then somehow it got throughout the whole organization about... Gordon was asking everyone who's going to win. And there was bets going on and everybody had chimed in. And so I kind of took the Conor McGregor status of like hyping myself up like I was going to win. And Steve played possum the whole time. And I lost and I got a lot of flack for that. But no, it was it was just things like that. Like so the joke was like Gordon was my coach. Because we were Team USA, so everybody was on. It was Team USA versus Team Australia, so I let, I let the right. U.S. down. But, yeah, and then yeah. the whole picture, Danny taking the picture. We didn't even know he took the picture until we see it on social media. And we're like, whoa. I'm sitting there like, uh. And then, like, that <laughs> evening, Danny calls me in the car, and he's like, did you, see my, did you see my post? I'm like, yeah. He goes. About that. He was like, well, I thought you'd thank me for, for making you famous. And I'm like, yeah, I lost, and I'm in my tights. So thanks. That's my
0: introduction (laughs) to a lot of the basketball community in your tights.
1: Oh, yeah. It was great. But no, I mean, all those guys in Boston are just phenomenal people. And so it's just everybody there was so invested in trying to make Gordon comfortable.
0: Beyond, obviously, trying to jump on the rehab right away. What were those first couple of months like? Was the biggest thing, kind of like you said, being that hype man? trying to keep his spirits high when he was without basketball. He was probably away from the guys much of the time and just needed a support system that probably started with Robin, his wife, and then extended to you on down. Yeah, it was – I mean, Robin,
1: I was at the game, you know, when he got hurt. And then I was – I talked with the Robin calls me the next morning and it was just like, you know, hey, we'd really like for you to move in and
0: just help him with everything. In and the, that's telling that she called because then you know you have permission. <laughs> if it was Gordon, you'd be like, Well, have you asked well, if it was your Gordon, wife he, yet? If it
1: was Gordon, he still would have been drugged up in the hospital and it would have been like, Fair point. Are you, are, you want me to move in? Huh? <laughs>
0: have you thought this one through? Uh, have, have
1: you asked your wife? You know, for her to open up their house and let me come in to just help him, it was, you know, it was really, I mean, you, you don't want to say it's like an honor to help somebody, but, you know, it, it's nice to know that they wanted you to come and be the guy to help him, like that they trust you to. throughout that whole process and you know I was happy and of course it was like the moment it was like yeah when do you need me and yeah so it was just that the beginning was more so how do we get him his mind off of the injury so I I remember like the first thing when I moved in he's like we're gonna have to get you a computer because we're gonna be gaming and I'd always played on Xbox, and he was like, no, we're getting you a PC. Okay. So we found a guy to build me a PC, and it was built in like
0: Bill, you didn't just go buy Didn't one. just buy it. Didn't just that go had, online, jump on Amazon, whatever. Yeah, we had some one.
1: guy from, like, MIT oh, build wow. me a PC. And <laughs> I remember the first days, like, when we were setting it up and we're hooking it up, he, he, Gordon made a comment, like, this thing's faster than mine. Like, what and the he's heck? He's probably
0: getting jealous <laughs> a little bit. So let's
1: just swap them out. <laughs> and so, yeah, but he was like, So there was a lot of nights where it's just and that's the stuff that isn't really in the documentary and wasn't really publicized much because it's just those are just the dark days where it was like that was just us being friends and just having somebody that he could call on any time. We had other friends from Indy and he had some friends from Utah that would jump on, you know, a text message and we'd all go online, play games and just talk about everything but basketball, but the injury and I think those were really the moments that helped
0: at the very beginning. And that everyone around him probably gets in a tough spot too, not even those directly around him, because every time you see him on the early going, you go directly, right? Like, oh, Gordon, good to see you. How are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Is there anything I can do? Whereas with your boys, right, with your guys, you just want to talk things, not even think about that, tune it out. Because he's constantly having to answer those questions, even if even if it's privately to other friends.
1: Yeah. And especially like in a sports crazy town like Boston, everywhere where, you go, you know, you go outside and the moment you step outside, the mailman's asking you, how's it going? You know, you're
0: looking great. and They, they have great intentions, and, obviously.
1: Yeah. And it's like it's you stop. <laughs> it's like you want to say, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. But at the same time, those are the little things that add up and just kind of keep you going. I, I mean, it was funny. I made a comment to him one time. I think we were like walking into Chipotle and somebody stops us at the table and they ask him, they're like, Hey, so sorry to see you're injured. You know, you look like you're doing great. And then like the next thing the guy said, he's like, man, I would, I wish you would have hit that shot at Butler. And it was like, and I, and I'm sitting it's like, there, dude, stop hitting I'm sitting his there, soft I'm like, you're, 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 you're saying like all the worst moments. I was like, geez. And, but it, but it's just nobody ever said anything with ill intentions. It was just everybody's just showing them, like, hey, we got you. You're going to be great. Like, keep working. We're following along. And, and that's
0: true because his following rose more than any other player in the NBA last year. Number one, because we saw that injury right away. But two, people wanted to follow his journey. They wanted Haywatch a yeah, little bit. Oh, that Haywatch, caught on.
1: Yeah, the Watch stuff was – hilarious i i showed that to him one time when we were in the training room and i was like have you seen this i was like rachel nichols has you like on Haywatch, like you're like in a Baywatch outfit and we saw it and we were cracking up and had he not
0: seen it to that point he hadn't
1: seen it yet because we took him off social media because it's just social media can be a dark place
0: especially twitter and even if it's all these encouraging comments because what it is is reminders
1: and and for every 10 people that say something nice there's you know one trolled and that's the only one you remember
0: And it's a guy with two followers, but still, you'd see it. You see it, and when you're not with the
1: team, and you're not traveling, and you're not doing all that stuff, you have a lot of time to yourself. And it was how many positive influences can we get in this guy? You know, how many good things can we get to keep motivating him? And you know, he gets motivated by the people that doubt him, but at some point, that also is a detriment too. But yeah, no, the Haywatch thing that was that was hilarious. I watched it. I mean, I. I'd be lying if I said that, you know, one or two of those posts weren't like, weren't little like things that just, we we had fun with the post and we did, we've never been the type to just go crazy on social media and post all this type of stuff, which is, I think part of why people are so infatuated with the documentary and following along with his recovery, because he's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere and he's, you know, he's a family guy and it's just like, it's. He's a normal human being, and it's just interesting to what people love that dynamic of seeing somebody. They like to see people, you know, come back. They like to see people go through trials and tribute You know, they like to just see what happens. And Andy has a family. I mean, he's got a wife, two beautiful girls. Like, that's mm-hmm. you know, people like to see that type of stuff. And he opened it up. And, and- beyond
0: the injury impacting him, it h- hits those three especially. Like maybe the most memorable thing i feel like to come out of those clips you guys all shared was when he had a limp was he was in a boot and this did actually make the i think episode two of the documentary one of his daughters i think it was bernie limped along with him she kind of took cue from him and said oh well if you do this maybe that's what i'm supposed to be doing it was it was adorable
1: oh they were yeah and just i mean just being around them and the family like robin and the girls like They, I mean, they were really what helped keep him together throughout that whole process. It's like those that they will never get enough credit for what he's been able to do in coming back, like, because there's a huge amount of sacrifice. Like, yeah, he's usually on the road playing games and all that stuff, but people don't understand, I think, all the time what the family sacrifice. I mean, he was pulling eight nine hour days in the training room sometimes i mean
0: and that's another misnomer people think oh you're rehabbing so what you're working a couple hours a day and that's it laying on your bed the people that, that com- sounds great that i want comment- to jump on netflix too
1: yeah the people that comment like you're playing video games like shouldn't you be rehabbing or shouldn't you be training mm-hmm. yeah those are they have the good no ones. idea
0: oh wait you're up at what time well
1: yeah. that's another thing i mean just people to don't show, understand that and just to show like you know the reason we wake up so early i mean a lot The amount of times we'd wake up 4.30, 4.45 in the morning, be at the gym at 5 a.m. so that we could be done by noon, so that he could have time to spend with the family. Like, That's that's a pretty big sacrifice to get up that early, go to work, Mm -hmm. do your job, which his job became rehab, which isn't fun, and you're waking up early so that then you can spend time with your family
0: like, he's trying to maximize the hours in the gym and then at home while his daughters are awake yeah that was admirable yeah and i thought it was funny take us through your routine a little bit because you guys got into a morning routine where right i think he would pick you up no you'd, i'd pick him up you'd pick him up then yeah, you'd stop he, and get he, he starbucks and then head he, to the gym
1: i think he only drove like three times the whole rehab i became like i was like his turtle Like for (laughs) Monterey. I would, I would, I was the, I was the DD all the time. Like for the first month or two, we had to, to, right? We had to take the truck every day because he was still in the boots, still on the crutches. And so he'd lay in the back seat and I would literally be chauffeuring him around. Did he make
0: comments ever about that or like,
1: sir, can you pull over? No, that, I mean, he, (laughs) Gordon's really respectful and like he knew that, you know, I'm here to help. And yeah, we'd rib each other, but there was never any, I mean, other than just your friendly, just, you know, going buddy, back buddy, and forth. Yeah. There, was, there was never any, like, entitlement. There was never any, you know, he was just thankful to have somebody there to help him go through it. And you know, I just
0: laugh. I can totally picture him, and obviously in a good spirit, like, you coming to get the door for him, let's say, and he gets like, ten bucks. Hey, thank, oh, thank you, sir. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: no, I mean, but, so, like, when we were in Boston, like, so I was with him for the first, you know, lived in his house for the first few months, and, you know, that would literally be just 24-7 with him, basically, unless I'd, you know, went off to the basement so that they could have family time in the evenings and afternoons so I could get out of there. Yeah. Um, But then I got an apartment, you know, nearby and it would be, you know, I'd come over, pick him up, you know, I'd show up to his house 25 minutes before we were supposed to leave because he had all these, you know, he was supposed to be taking all these pills and then he, like he had like stuff for the calcium, for the bone and all these different things. That's
0: another subject that most people don't even think about. You have to make sure you're not only taking it but taking the right dosage at the right time and throughout. And the so they had all day. that.
1: And then at the time yeah. we found it, you know, a really good opportunity to put on more weight so that he could put more muscle on because it's like, okay, so this is your red shirt year. Let, let's find a way to get you stronger. Like what can we improve on right now? So it was like, I'd show up, we'd make his shakes. So we'd, by the time he's walking downstairs in the morning, I'm already in the kitchen. I got his shakes and his pills. And it's like, all right, he'd have those. We'd jump in the car, you know, we'd stop at our Starbucks on the way through I would get something different every day because we went to Starbucks every day. He'd get the same thing, he would he? Yeah, he'd get a green tea with three honeys and <laughs> Very routine, literally yeah. every day. And he would be like, green tea, hits the spot. And then he'd always try to tell you like, yeah, the green tea, it's like the second best thing you can drink to water and all that. And then I'm like, yeah, but you're putting honey in it. <laughs> like, But no, yeah, that was, and that was, we'd do that. We'd show up at the facility and- you know, then we would usually we'd start out, he'd get on the table, get some PT for a bit. And then like, then he would do from that, then we'd either go and do basketball or we'd go into the weight room and he'd do his weights. So we'd do one or the other, depending on if the team was around or not, just kind of what the ske- flow of the schedule was for the day. Um, then he'd get a little more treatment, um, you know, ice up, have another shake, have another meal. We'd usually then stop at chipotle or five guys we were regulars at chipotle he would just stay in the car because we didn't want to have to get him harassed i'd go in grab the food go back to his house go in make another shake hey all right i'll see you tomorrow good work today mm-hmm. and then we just i'd get a random text in the middle of the afternoon hey you getting online yeah i'll be on in a bit <laughs> and then, then back to games. we'd play games i mean but that was like Every day, like what people don't see is it's not like a nine to five and then you have weekends off. There was a good stretch for the first few months where it was 30, 40 days in a row that we went. And then like even when the team would play, we would do stuff in the morning. We would do his normal routine in the morning. And then rather than he would go out and sit on the bench, we would get another
0: session of rehab in the back in the locker room because it was like, hey, if I'm here, I should work. Otherwise, I'm kind of wasting two hours. I can't contribute on the court. I might as well get myself ready for when I can.
1: And because when we wouldn't go to games or if the team was on the road in the evening, sometimes I would go back over to his house and he had exercises he was supposed to do. And we'd do those while we would watch the game. And that was just that's all that we would do an hour, hour and a half in the evening. And that's just the time that you just don't
0: see. How much did you find it bother him to try to watch them? Or try to look back at film or those sorts of things because where he can help in some ways, there's probably a part of him that sits there and be like, look, I'm going through what I am, but I feel useless to my team, which they become so accustomed to, and especially for a guy that's so routine, right?
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's the toughest part is you're watching a team that's having a lot of success without you and... You know, you go through, he's talked about that whole thing, so I don't need to touch on that, you know, just about how, you know, it sucks to watch your team win, even though, just because you want to play. I mean, mm-hmm. he wants he wants to play, so yeah, at the beginning, there was a lot of nights where we had to turn the game off and go do something else, but then as it went on, we started, once he was able to do more, we, you know, then we start watching more and watching more. I mean, we watched a lot of the Butler games. We watched a lot of other NBA and college games, and it just the love of basketball just comes back, and then you study the game, and then we're watching stuff, and you know, and then it's like, hey, tell the Celtic staff. Like, hey, send us some film. Let's watch Paul George this week. Like, hey, let's watch this guy. Let's see what we can learn right now. Um, but, yeah, it's just there's so many things that people just don't see that he did, tried to do, went through. That Like, the documentary does a really good job of painting the picture of the monotony of it all. Like, yeah, we Did all this, and you see the social media clips and all this stuff, but it was a lot of the same thing next day, same thing next day, same thing next day, same thing next day. Oh,
0: I get to do one new thing this week. And that's where I think you and the other guys can help out a ton too is the individual challenges. Like I think. you betting him? (laughs) Yeah. We also, I think it was in the second episode, Where you're messing around with the marbles and trying—maybe it was episode one actually—and you're having to pick up the marbles with the feet. And number one, you're just pushing him and talking crap, maybe throwing some money on the line. But I think you did it yourself too, right? And tried to tried to match him or even beat him.
1: Yeah, he would. Yeah, so he would do the marble thing, and I eventually was like, you know what? Hey, let's keep track of how you do every day. Let's prove that you (laughs) let's let's show that you improved because the first day, oh, it took him like two minutes just to pick a marble up. And we're watching, I'm watching this like, <laughs> today. No, seriously, I mean, you're sitting there and it's like, <laughs> hold on. So he's supposed to pick a marble up and he can't. I mean, but it's just like, you don't, those little things. And then, so yeah. as he went on and he thinks, oh, I'm doing well. I'm killing it. When he gets down from four and a half minutes to like two minutes, it was like 20 marbles. And Gordon would complain about the marbles being like greased up. Cause they the guy that the PT that would put them down had just massaged his ankle with lotion and so he'd complain about that for his times and we'd put all these challenges on him and I finally just put money on the line I was like all right over and I would bet with other people in the room I'm like five bucks is he is he is he setting a PR today five bucks and then I like it yeah one day it was I was like hold on I'm doing this and I beat him and then Scott Morrison the assistant coach came in and he actually holds the record for a long time and he did it first try and so Those were little things that we would just look forward to is like, all right, I'm going to win today. I'm going to set a record today. I'm going to win. And I mean, it's like five bucks here and there. It's no money, but it's just, there's bragging rights on the line. Mm -hmm. There's money on the line, which holds you accountable. You can't BS when there's, there's a winner and there's
0: a loser. First episode went through the damage done. And I, I feel like the natural instinct is to think that that first month might be the most challenging. Do you agree with that, or I, I almost venture to say that kind of last month, where you're on the verge of returning, but you realize still how far you have to go, could even be the most difficult. Where do you feel that line might be from your experience? The
1: hardest thing for him was when he had to get when he, when he had to go back and get the uh, plate taken out. That because we were progressing and mm-hmm. you know we're getting close to him playing again. We had just played one on one. We brought in Brandon Rush who's with his agency and we've trained before in the past to come in and play one-on-one in Indy, which I'm sure you'll see, I think that's in the next episode, the indie episode. Um, we were over at Incrediplex and we just brought B. Rush in and was just like, hey, just play against them, have fun, play out of the post, give him a body, give him feedback. And it was like then like two days after that was when they decided they had to take the plate out. Then once you do that, there's a whole progression that you have to go through mm-hmm. to get back to even running again. Then you got to jump back on the alter G for a couple of days. Then you got to, and that's the
0: part that I think was like, I've been going so well. And what I've always said is too, I don't care if you're doing a little meniscus, if you're taking something out or if you're fi- repairing, there's no such thing as simple, basic surgery. If you're involving a knife, if you're involving surgery, that's always something I'd be concerned about.
1: Yeah, but it was more so it was just like I did all this and shoot, now there's a month and a half where I'm, I can't do anything again. And I got to start that over and we have to start the whole progression over and then I got to just run in a straight line again.
0: Did it feel like a setback in some respects? Oh, yeah. There was a lot
1: of times. And I mean, and that's the those are the parts that, you know, I think you'll see is like that was tough the whole setback like and that was where it's like yeah I'm getting so close and then things just didn't feel right and then you got to take the plate out and it's like you mean I got to just try to do simple calf raises again and obviously the next time he's already built up a lot of it so it didn't take as long to get back to normal but yeah that part that was hard on us all because it's like we're getting so close and we had this timetable and we thought you know, he was really going to be able to, we wanted to be able to get some good five on five. to we wanted to work out all the rust before he got to training camp. Whereas, you know, once that happened, then we're sitting there, we're like, ugh, we're, we're not going to be able to play five on five till September now. And it was like, our timetable just got a lot shorter. We're not able to get as much in this summer as we wanted to. It became more, you know, let's build and get back to where we were, then let's progress.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing I've always said, and I'm obviously covering a team in the Pacers, but even then, you still have the feel that you don't know everything. You were right there side by side with Gordon. What was that like being in the know, if you will, on everything with him and either reading clips or seeing highlights or people suggesting things that you knew either was not possible, was not happening, or think again, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's just it's funny when people try to read into everything. And there's so much stuff that's just thrown out there. And nowadays, everybody wants to have an opinion. Everybody wants to be first. Everybody wants to have breaking news. And it's like there would be reports of, yeah, he's running and jumping. And we're just sitting there like, no, he's not. Or, yeah, he's you know, going to be cleared to play five-on-five five next week. And it's like,
0: no. <laughs> I wish people could see your face right now. <laughs> and,
1: it, and it's just like the, the, you just read things and you just kind of laugh. And it's like everybody wants the, – the most amazing thing was the amount of people that want to chime in with their own timeline and want to talk about, well, you know, when you have an injury and this, that, and the other. you know I well, thought it should
0: be six to eight months. What are you talking about? Exactly. It's like, and no, that, that's a guesstimate.
1: And that was one thing that I kind of – like one of the things that I preached to Gordon was – and I, I, I did the same thing when I would talk to other people was like, we're not putting a timetable on anything. Our goal is to get better today. Now, yes, between the Celtic staff and his agent and myself, and then when we came to St. Vincent's and all that, like, yeah, we quietly talked timetables of schedule and when we want to be able to do this and all that. We never told Gordon much of that because we didn't want Gordon to get frustrated in case there was a setback. Our goal was to make it so that Gordon showed up every day with, how do I get better today? Did I improve? Did I give today my all? Let's see what tomorrow brings. Did I get better today? Did I give today my all? Let's see what tomorrow brings. And I mean, every, every day when I would drop him off at his house, it'd be like, another one down. We did, we did well today. And that was literally every time we would finish at the end of the night, it was like, another one down, good job. We'll go back at it tomorrow. Another one down, great job. We'll go back at it tomorrow. And there was probably only three or four days across the whole time where it's like, we probably could have done better today.
0: But you're going to have those days, too. And that's all part of the process. You're not going to just absolutely kill it every single day or, or get accomplished maybe everything that you wanted in the perfect style. You're going to have those days where, you, you know what, today wasn't my day, but guess what? We're going to get back to it tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and that's, and that's but with in protecting him and that was why we didn't really put timetables on
0: things. Yeah, he knew the overall big timetable. And, and, and I think he admitted that even in his blog talking about this was kind of my goal but it was not a hard line that I was Correct. destined to achieve.
1: Yeah, like when he was on the Alter G, we didn't tell him how many sessions he had to do on the Alter G. He just knew I'm going to you know, keep improving, I'm going to do less body weight, and I'm going to keep improving. I'm, you know, and then the resistance will go up. And we just were like, same thing when we'd have him on the court. It was like, all right, today he's allowed 50 jumps. We wouldn't tell him that he's at 50 jumps for a week, and then if these go well, then next week you're allowed to do 100. It was, great job today. And then he would be like, can I do more? Nope. Or that first time when it's like, yeah, you can do 75, it'd be like, we'll do 50. It's like, you feeling good? All right, you know, let's get 25 more. Mm-hmm. Just little things where it's like, you have that dynamic if he wants to push himself every day. So you kind of got to pull the reins and then give him some, pull. The, but you don't want him to hurt himself by going too hard. And so, yeah, we would just, we, we tried to limit his expectations to, how well can you do today, which is, I think, something that will really translate well for him going forward just in a mindset of now when he goes to the gym and he goes to work on his game. It's am I getting the best out of myself today, which that's something that
0: I think all of us could really benefit from and not not try to seek the end game as much as I need to get these three things done, accomplished, and and know that'll contribute to my big picture goals.
1: Yeah, it's, it's something that we can all learn from. I mean, because so many of us see the end result and we forget that there's a path that you got to go through yeah. to get there. Nobody skips steps to be really successful. You, you grind and you work and you grind and you work and you get lucky sometimes and you keep going and there's setbacks, you know, and then there's success. And yeah, and that's going to be the theme for his season is it's a long season. His goal is to win a championship. They're going to make it really far this year he's not going to be Gordon Hayward that he wants to be on day one. And that your mindset can either be, you know, woe is me. Why am I not making
0: it? Like, what the heck? Like, or it's a lot of questioning of himself because he's not what he's accustomed to being. But at least initially.
1: But if you take you keep that same mindset that he had all rehab and that we've approached the season with, it's, you know, but let's get better today. You know, it's like after the first few preseason games, you know, we're messaging back and forth, and it's like, you know, he, he dives straight into X's and O's, and what'd you and, it, and it's like, dude, you just played your first preseason game. I don't care how you looked, how you did it. You played basketball again. Like, great job. We'll dive into that in a
0: week. <laughs> yeah, we were watching that one, and I was sitting there. I was like, I honestly don't care about his numbers. I hope he gets through it healthy, and otherwise, this is all for his mental sake. This is all for him to get past any type of barrier that's likely there of being on a court with nine other guys at one time, being in an NBA environment, playing at game speed. That's another thing on a guy's checklist and coming back from a significant injury.
1: Yeah, there's so many milestones that he has to still check off in his mind that are very basic basketball things to somebody who's playing. And that was what our goal was was to check those off in the offseason. Well, because of having the plate out and you know circumstances, we weren't able to do that. So there's a lot that he has to do right now. And you know, it's the balance of how fast can I get there, but how can I get there the right way? And how can I limit expectations but also push myself. And that's just that's always been a challenge with him, is because he always He always judges himself based on what would have been perfect. He wants to be perfect. How can I be perfect? And sometimes it's just not realistic to be perfect when you haven't played basketball in a year. And it's like, he's like, God, I can't hit shots. And it's like, dude, you just played basketball for, you know, this is your second game in a year. You're not going to be perfect. If you were perfect, we need to figure out what we just did because that is the best thing that we could ever do. It's like, be patient. You know, let's keep grinding. We'll get there. Let's improve every day. Let's, I mean, that's always been his thing. He used to hashtag that all the time in the summers. It's just like improve every day, improve every day. And it's really something that, you know, we've always embodied with him, even just in his training and other off seasons is like, we got better today. You know, we worked on this. You got better today. Did we win or lose today? Was I perfect as I could be? And there's so many things that you can't control. And right now it's like you said, like he's going to have his first preseason game. His first time where he falls, his first time where he gets hit, his first time going to the rim, his first time in transition one on one, his first time going for a lob. Like, there's so many things that he still has to do. His first time in clutch time. Like, how's he gonna handle it when he gets hit over the head? Like, you're gonna be sore in different places that you haven't been in a while. Like, there's so much that we still have to check off. And then on top of that, we still gotta get better. And then the team's going to adapt, and then we, he's still learning a new system. I was going to
0: say, and that was the route I was going to go to, is beyond him himself and coming back from that injury. Well, th- things have changed in the last years. You've got two guys in particular, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, that have elevated their games. Terry Rozier also. Terry Rozier's been there. Marcus Smart plays a big role for this team. And it's a little bit different than when he started out with them during the training camp last year. And those are things not only he has to adjust to, but those guys have to become accustomed to playing with him once again.
1: Yeah, he's the new guy. He would have been the new guy last year, and you know things happen and you're not. So going in, it's like this is your first time with this team. This isn't going to be comfortable at first. Like, yeah, you got Brad. Yeah, you have familiar faces, but you still need to get reps with these guys. You still need to play with them. And, you know, that's the ongoing challenge. Like, we're going up um myself and Rob Blackwell who works with me we're going out there this weekend we fly out Saturday to go work with him and we're just gonna go get a couple days and while we're there we're just recapping his preseason talking about what he did what we think you know hey these are some tweaks we should make right now and you know we're trying to get him ready for this
0: and you're strictly talking basketball yeah this is just not rehab just basketball just
1: basketball and that but that's something we've always done with him we always make our tweaks we make our changes and One thing with him is he always improves as the season goes on. And, again, you see the theme of what we did through the whole rehab, what we do through his season. It's constant. We're always improving in some fashion.
0: And along those same lines, you want to keep improving throughout the year and not peak in November and December and January, especially when you're a team like Boston or a team like the Warriors who fully expects playing into June.
1: Yeah, like when he was with Utah. He played his best basketball in the playoffs. That last year he was in Utah. And usually, I mean, pretty much every, during the season, every month, his scoring average goes up, 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 and up. He becomes more comfortable. He finds his spots. He becomes more efficient. We have more film to work off. And he's a perfectionist. So he just keeps working, keeps working, keeps working. And I think that'll be even better coming off this, you know, this rehab. And I think that's the big thing you'll get out of this documentary and just seeing his level of dedication. Um, it's really, everybody says they work hard. Everybody posts, you know, I'm in the gym grinding, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Well, not
0: everybody posts. And I don't think that's, and I think that's a good thing.
1: Well, it's just,
0: some people are get caught up and let me tell you what I'm doing. And I'm even normal people. Hey, I'm in the gym. Hey, I'm working out. Here's a mirror picture. Here's, here's how I'm getting better. Sometimes I laugh about that too, because it's usually the ones that share that aren't doing all yeah, you never know. Out there. It's
1: just, but one thing with him is you just know that every year he comes back better. And I think that's what will be really cool for people to see for the first time because one of our things, you know, we always viewed his off seasons as kind of like the secret sauce. Like we never really shared what he's coming back with new. And then he, Was there
0: always something or a couple things yeah, that but, you were adding to the game And I would guess this off season wasn't about that at all. There's a few things, really, okay, like
1: patience and just. But it wasn't. It wasn't as big of drastic changes because we didn't have the time.
0: Um, And the focus had to be elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, hey, we got to get you to come off a curl again and do this move, or work on your ball screens, work on this, that, and the other. All right, now you got to play isolation. We need these moves again, and it was more of a checklist this off season with some minor details as you would expect and tweaks. But yeah, it's just. That that that's kind of been the theme of his career.
0: So over those first 3 episodes you guys were primarily in Boston. You had the surgery. We saw in episode 3 where he ran out onto the court for the first time which we already discussed uh, a little bit. But then you guys went to various other venues. What went into the thinking behind those a change in venue, a change in scenery.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that we really wanted to do is we kind of got into the dog days of the rehab and the season was to just give him a mental break and this was one of the things that their sports scientist um, was really big on and trying to just keep you mentally fresh um, like one of the things we did early on was like we went over and followed a Patriots practice and we were able to you know watch them for a day and just just to get him to do different mental things we uh, we took him out to San Diego he went and watched their games in LA they played the Clippers and the Lakers and then we went down to San Diego for a couple weeks and we brought out the strength coach and the PT out there that you see on the documentary. And that was just to go clear as mind. We were still working. It's a working vacation, but just to get away from everything, go be a, be a normal human being, go enjoy some time on the beach. That's where his second home is. You need that mental refresh every once in a while. And really, I think that holds true for all of us. It was good for the rest of us right? that were involved in the rehab yeah. process too, because we'd just been, gri- it was the middle of winter and like it wasn't above zero degrees for like 10 straight days there's two feet of snow you're not Mm -hmm. going outside so all we're doing is leaving the house going to the gym and going back to the house like that sucks and so yeah we it was good because he was able to go be with the team for a road trip and then spend a couple weeks in san diego just break off and that was we we timed it right before all-star break so that way he wasn't away from the team too long because the team was then on break and but so we did that one just to give him a mental break, which we still worked. I think you see in the like this, one of the episodes where we're that was the first time he did his jump shots. That was the first time he ran on the altered G. Um, so a In lot the Alter G, I
0: I should clarify is is a treadmill where you don't feel the gravity or yeah, you can an set a percentage treadmill. of it. Um, so maybe 50 percent gravity or you don't feel it at all. It's something I know here locally, for example, Larry Bird does almost every day because of his bad back. And everything. Yeah, it
1: limits the loading. You know, we, we didn't want to put too much loading and stress to the ankle, especially at the very beginning because we didn't want to have any setbacks. But so, yeah, so there's a lot of like mental breaks that we tried to put in. Like one one time like we snuck off to Miami for a weekend and Gordon's a huge tennis fan. And so he's Mi- a
0: really good tennis player here in Indy.
1: Never seen him play, so I can't comment. I've seen him play I ten- did. tennis.
0: I did. We had thirty courts at North Central, great tennis program. And I just remember seeing this tall, lengthy guy, backwards <laughs> hat, I'm pretty sure. Probably. And he was outstanding.
1: But yeah, so we went down to Miami and <laughs> Um, Steve, the physio, used to be the physio for Australian tennis, and he's good friends with Nick Kyrgios, who's a huge Celtics fan. And so we went down, and we sat in Kyrgios's box and watched him playing. Got to meet him. We got to meet uh, John Isner, the big American. Who it was really cool. We got a, it, and it was just a lot of the people that didn't even know who Gordon was because why would he be in Miami? And so we were able to just kind of sneak around. It was a different you know environment. It was a way for Gordon to get away. And so, like, we did that one. And then you'll see us in the, in the upcoming episodes. Like, we come to Indy. And that was, again, get him in front of some different eyes. Like, he's had a lot of success with the people in Indy with Greg Moore. There's a comfort there. Yeah, with Greg Moore, especially. He's been with Greg most of his career.
0: That's a strength and conditioning coach.
1: Yep. And I think Greg's one of the best around. And so it was good to get him in front of their eyes. Dr. Arnold, um, you know, Daryl Barnes, like they're all really, really good people. And they've had a lot of success with Gordon in the past. And so we brought him there to, you know, kind of watch his running. They, they work with a lot of USA track and field people. And it was like, hey, let's build good habits. Let's come here. Let's work with the rehab specialist. Let's see what they say about your running, about your gait, about all that stuff. And you'll see that in the, you know, these next few episodes. And it was also, it was just get him home, get him a different thing. And what people don't see about that stuff which I think it'll touch a little bit, was he's away. I mean, that was a sacrifice on his part to come here to Indy. Huge. Because he's flying into Indy Monday through Friday to work with them and then flying back on weekends to see his family. And be the playoffs were going on at the time. And then come back for a game and then back to Indy for work. And he's alone in a hotel room. And, you know, I was home. So for me, it was like, okay, yeah, I can be home for a bit because I'd been in Boston all year. But yeah, it was, we just tried to get them to different locations just as mental breaks, but also just get another edge, like get a refresh. Like, cause it worked out that we kind of brought them to a different location about every five or six weeks. And because we, we were thinking like in the regular season, you're gone so much and you're doing new things and you're experiencing new things and being stuck in the same gym, doing the same rehab every day, like. That's not fun. I mean, people that work office jobs and you go to the office every day, yeah. like there's days where you don't want to go to the office anymore. And to give him that opportunity to have those mental refreshes, were are really good.
0: That's part of why we like basketball, right? Like, sure, you have games, but every game's different. Situations are different. There's different ways in which you have to adapt and, and ways you can be creative with it.
1: Yeah, you can only do so many calf raises in different <laughs> ways. You can only do so many rehab exercises in different ways you can only take your mind off things and like you can only play so many video games i was gonna say we haven't touched
0: on that a ton how big of gamer is he because i know you you committed to him buying you a new system and how he's on there at night but beyond that he could probably go pro in that if he really wanted to is he at that he's, he's level past his
1: prime on that <laughs> because like the average professional okay. gamers like eight like 18 19 years old they're young like so once you're past like Twenty four, twenty five. Like you're actually on the decline.
0: And as we've seen in a different venue in the NBA two K league, those guys are professional gamers making thirty five thousand dollars a year, which yeah. is wild. Like, no, he's
1: good and he loves gaming. And
0: what are we talking about here? Fortnite and what else? For,
1: like so, at the beginning, we were really big into Destiny 2. um Obviously, the hot game now is Fortnite. A lot of Fortnite. Um, him and I would play Clash Royale on the phone. I have not even heard of that. That was our game. Like he has his own clan that he started back when he was in Utah and there's a bunch of Utah people still in it. And he put me in his clan. <laughs> and so like, Oh, you know, it's, it, we, that, that was our nerd out. Like, so every morning when he would do rehab and I think somebody, I think Zach Lowe just wrote about that, like about how we would play our three games every day over our Starbucks. And it, it was for bragging rights. He would come in and we'd have a new deck that you would play against each other. And they were intense. And I didn't win much at the beginning cause he played the game a lot earlier than I did. And that was like, that was one of our ongoing things. We would play a lot of Clash Royale.
0: Was his gaming similar to someone who might love Netflix or something like that?
1: Yeah. If he's got free time, he likes, I mean, if it's not, if he's not with his girls, he's probably playing video games. Like it's family, video games, basketball. That's pretty much his life. Like over the summer, he started streaming and, you know, he's got deals with different companies to do streaming and all that type of stuff. And yeah, so it's, it's. Gaming is a big part of his life, and it was a really good avenue as a stress reliever and a competitive release during this rehab process because he's a competitive gamer. So he likes to play where you're playing against somebody. He doesn't like to just play against bots and PC where you're not playing against another human being. He likes to play where there's a winner and get that interaction. And a loser. Yeah. And then usually he, if you beat him in anything – then he goes and researches and watches YouTube videos and figures out how he can beat you and then it kind of takes the fun out of it because I don't want to do any research. <laughs> I just play the game because it's fun. And then he comes back and then I can't beat him for 2 weeks because he's done all this research and he knows every counter and it's like dude, it and it's like did you did you look that one up? He's like yeah. I was watching this streamer the other day. So then I got to start doing research to try to beat him. And it's, yeah, he's, he, he dives in. It's a deep dive for him in the video games. And he really enjoys But he enjoys it because it's competitive. It's another competitive outlet.
0: Over these documentaries that have been on The Athletic, theathletic.com, they were produced by the Players' Tribune. And you were kind of the point man in all of this. What was that experience like, kind of having them um, around? Did Gordon mind the cameras too much? Did they kind of blend in? Did he get used to it? It's different have cameras around all the time like especially when you're not
1: really feel like you're doing anything that was really the most awkward thing and Gordon touches on it in the documentary where it's like so you guys keep coming and filming but we're doing the same thing mm-hmm. like it's a different location but I'm doing the same stuff different location but I'm doing the same stuff and they did a really good job of portraying that and like the main the main producer Simon hackard great human being great guy you know did a phenomenal job just they were there but they tried to be flies on the wall as much as possible and they tried not to intrude but they really you know told us like hey the more access you give us the better this product's going to be and so it was like yeah but we're not doing anything we're not setting anything up this is if you're going to film none of this is staged you're going to film what we're doing we're not stopping and doing anything over and that's what really gives this piece that they're doing such an authentic feel is because it's real we didn't script anything nothing is staged nothing is like hey can you do that again it was no if you didn't catch it we're moving on like we're not stopping anything this nothing none of this has to do with the documentary we don't care
0: yeah this is supplementary to what we're trying to get accomplished
1: yeah if you guys capture it good job
0: but we're moving on And the value I see in this, and this goes for really anything in the media, the content world anymore, is the things that are most interesting, that are most unique, is someone being authentic in whatever they're doing, and the behind the scenes. And so we're getting that a little bit right now, right, with you, who was there every step of the way, but we also got that with this documentary where cameras were allowed into places where fans, where even media, couldn't be on a daily basis, or if at all. Yeah, no, yeah, like in his house.
1: Like him, him opening up, letting them film his family. Like. And that's
0: not easy because these guys have so many demands, whether it's things you'd think of, hey, give me money. Hey, hook me up with this. Hey, let me pay my bills or just, hey, let me get an autograph. Hey, can I get it five minutes of your time for an interview? These guys are, are very hesitant sometimes about that. And they're also valuing their time as they should because of the demands of their job. Yeah. Personal time is a rare commodity for these guys because when you
1: go out in public you're going to have people coming up to you. It's hard to go to dinner and not get bugged and then to let people follow you with cameras. You know, throughout your rehab like that's a people don't see it but that's not as fun as what you think it is. Like we're mic'd up so we're sitting there like, you know, we don't want to be mic'd up today. Like this is just another Thursday in rehab like and it's but the good thing with Simon and them is we told them like, "Hey, there's days where we don't talk like if today is just another thursday and we're just down in the dumps and it's just a grind like don't try to get us to say we're not getting out of character we're none of this is staged
0: don't we, try to draw anything out correct let us be who we are and, just and as you can we tell
1: are. that sometimes like <laughs> they're sitting there like dude like we're getting nothing we're just and, but we're like this is us that this is us there's days where we don't talk. There's days in the car where I pick them up. It's like, all right, let's do it. We, I mean, the amount of car rides we went on in the middle of the winter where it's just getting in the car. Hey, how's it going? We talked for like 30 seconds. Nothing's on the radio, and we just drive.
0: Now, that I get, quite frankly, because it's early in the morning. I don't want to talk to anyone that early. But as it relates to being on the floor – i'm picturing you kind of having to be that motivator most of the time was that not always the case then well you don't have to or you do it in different ways yeah
1: not not you can't motivate every day or it doesn't work like motivation comes in a lot of different ways
0: and you i'm picturing like hey 10 more hey one more hey beat this time yeah but but if he
1: shows up and he's just determined and he just works then you don't need to say anything like yeah you're always going to give him you know positive feedback or you know rib him a little bit but if we're sitting in the PT and he's getting just PT and we're just hanging out, like we may go an hour and a half and nobody says a word. It's just we're doing it, we're working. And then there's other days where we're hooting and hollering and you know cracking jokes and we get onto a topic and we're just running with something and it's a theme throughout the entire day. And
0: and what this exactly shows is you're human. You're not sky high all the time. You're not down in the dumps all the time. Yeah. You have your days.
1: You and that's the and that's the thing that there's a, there's people that go through rehab all the time. And I think the thing that's really good about this documentary and just Gordon opening up so much about all this and, you know, allowing people to follow him and just be so vulnerable throughout this whole thing is just showing people that, Hey, it's not always fun. Like, yeah, I'm getting paid a bunch of money to do nothing. That doesn't make it fun. Yeah, there's times when I can have fun and there's good days and there's bad days. And, you know, I think everybody in life can relate to that. We all have good days at the office. We all have bad days at the office. We always, you know, we all, we'll go home some days and it's the best day we've ever had. And then we'll go home some days and it's like, can today be over with? (laughs) Get
0: me to bed. Let's turn the page.
1: Yeah, I need a drink. Like, this sucks. And I think that's what. He was able to do through his blog, you know, through the play, through the players' Tribune and the athletics piece, and I mean that was that was something that I learned through the whole thing was like, also how do you fight through the days that I don't want to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and come pick you up, like, and this goes to you too, right? Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah, like, and that's like there were so many people that help him through this and he yeah he's the one doing the leg work and he's the one that has to show up and do it every day but the pt we're making the pt show up at 5 30 in the morning the strength coach ty our rule with him was when we show up you show up even though we don't lift for an hour and a half until his pt's over ty drove in from new hampshire every day seriously yeah wow. he lived in new hampshire it was like an hour drive and we made a rule that if you were late <laughs> And you got three strikes, you had to buy Starbucks for the whole group. On your second time being late, you had to buy Starbucks for a week for the whole group. And I
0: love these challenges you guys issued, not only just to Gordon, but to everybody in the room.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, we're all in this together and nobody's bigger and nobody's better. And you know, the 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 good thing Gordon had going for him was I was driving, so if we were late, it was me. So it was hard to get Gordon to be late, which you know but but it, it was also just an accountability thing it was just another thing to kind of motivate us it was like all right hey we got to leave a little earlier cuz we're coming in late we're we're starting later today and there's going to be traffic we got and that was part of the game like it was like all right we got to leave early cuz we still got to get starbucks but there's going to be traffic so it's going to take us 45 minutes to get in today instead of 30 and then there'd be days where we'd show up a half hour early and it's like well, now what do we do yeah. well we're going to sit here and play clash royale for 30 minutes
0: the best part of being in San Diego all summer is what? For someone the like weather. me who has never been out Well, the out golf
1: there. for me. The golf. Okay. Because we'd work in the mornings. Again, Gordon. I
0: would get those texts, those photos, and I, I yeah, believe again, it. Gordon's I thing was
1: we did, we did early mornings. So we were in the gym, you know, 5.36 in the morning, every morning. And then we'd go do his PT. We'd go to his weights. We'd go to his rehab. And, you know, we're done at 1.00. So another six, seven hour days in the morning, but we'd start early so that he could spend.
0: And that's family time for him, which opens up your calendar and, yeah, for the rest so, of the yeah, day.
1: When, when he'd be done, like I always would. Actually, I I worked out some college guys, um, which was publicized. The Division two kid that I worked out, um, that's a really, really good player. Going to be really, really good. Um, they actually went before him because I was like, hey, I got Gordon coming at this time. You guys can go before because. Again, I would go with Gordon throughout his whole day, but yeah, once one thirty, two o'clock hit, it was like he goes with his family. I'm going to the golf course, (laughs) so playing Tory Pines was a bonus for me. I my golf game got like three times a
0: week. It felt like for you, huh? Well, I
1: had had an apartment out there, so I had a locals pass, and you could play Tory Pines for really cheap with the locals pass. So that was that was a benefit of uh, being out there. But it's just. Again, for me even, it was just the change of scenery was nice. Like, it's just nice to get away and get get to work and just grind.
0: Do you remember a time over this process that, that stuck out the most to you as far as he took a giant leap or this was the turning point in everything? Was there anything significant like that that you felt, um, you felt immediately?
1: That's hard. It's hard to pinpoint because there's just so much that went into this that – like, you see these, like, ebbs and flows. And,
0: and you're in it every day. Yeah, are so in it every day. So it probably all blends together.
1: And that was like, I can, obviously, I'm watching him every day and, like, paying attention to the smallest details and, like, hey, this little thing got better.
0: This reminds me of someone having a kid. And if you don't see them for six months, you think they grew a ton. Oh, yeah. But when you're with them every day, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, they got better. But, yeah, it's there's,
1: there's so many moments throughout this whole thing. Like, obviously, the first time when he, we were able to just get back on the court and he was just able to shoot, like, dribble and shoot and move. Like, that was a huge one because it was like, I'm human again. Like, I can kind of do what I want to do.
0: We all got a kick, I think, out of the publicity. I think this is the first thing that ever got out there was how he was shooting maybe free throws, maybe half-court shots in a chair. Oh, in the chair. And immediately you got people saying, oh, he's back. When's he coming back? Like, yeah, the, and you don't realize, well, he's the, sitting the triple, down. The triple
1: C, the Celtic chair challenge that mm-hmm. we had people shoot out of a chair. Yeah, it, and but like those little things, it's like we did the chair thing just so that he could have a thing to do and kind of be a basketball player again and put a basketball in his hands. Wasn't going to do much, but – it's just, yeah, we, there was a lot of stuff that it's just like little things here, little things there, and yeah, they just add up. Like, that's that's the big thing is nothing in rehab is fast, nothing in rehab is, you know, as quickly as you want it to happen, nothing is as easy as you want it to be, and I think that's really what the documentary shows, and it's like, you asked me for one turning point, or, you know, it... it you know, this summer when we played one-on-one, I mean, Zach Lowe talked about it, when we went and played, and he played Bradley Beal one-on-one. And, and just dominated. And just killed and some of the best basketball I've probably ever seen him play, honestly. And his, I mean, we leave the gym, and his confidence is just like, we're high-fiving. Like, we, <laughs> he never walks anywhere. Like, we're in Santa Monica, and we walk to dinner, and we're just chatting the whole way. And it was just like. His
0: shoulder must have been out and head high, oh, feeling good.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just like you know, and it's just like, I can do this again. And it's, I mean, that would probably be the biggest like aha moment
0: that happened. But did you ever review film over the process? And I mean, strictly of the rehab or shots in the gym currently, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'd, we'd watch, you know, things here, things there, and I'd film them or on my phone or, you know, we'd be like, hey, you're doing this. Or I'd see something be like, hey, somebody film that real quick so we can watch it. Or Mm-hmm. We, we, we did a lot, especially then obviously in the summer as he was able to do more. Um, but we did like a film breakdown of his shot. Like we rebuilt his shot. That was one of the things we did during the season. Um, but yeah, it's, there's so much that we did that just get, I forget that you just get lost in the I'm sure. It just I mean, I remember most together. of it, but we, there was so much that went on that he did to just try to improve all the time. That just, I mean, you forget some things.
0: How about a best or favorite moment? And it doesn't even have to be restrictive to the court. Maybe something that was done on a drive-in or a gaming story or anything like that. Because this is kind of an isolated event in that it's a year that you both really devoted to rehab. Together, you were in it together.
1: So are you talking like a moment like away from rehab? Anything. Like just a moment just in the whole process? A
0: in the whole process, whether it's a song that you'll always remember you listen to or I don't know, something like that that jumps out at you. That's, there's a lot.
1: One of the things that kind of happened as we got kind of later on in the process was like we really, really like got bored in the car ride. So we started like listening to audiobooks and like podcasts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like... You know, we listen to Barstool. Okay. We listened to like Pat McAfee show. Um, we we he he got in the car one day and he went on a huge internet deep dive on this guy named Jocko. He used to be like a navy Navy Seal, or he was, I think he was a Navy Seal, and he he runs a pretty like on Instagram. He would do Monday motivation, and his thing was always like he did this thing where it's like basically. No matter what happens, your response is like, good, good. So like, you know, it's everything's a challenge. Everything can be overcame. Like, you know, all right, you know, something happened. Like, good. It's another opportunity. It's another challenge. And like, that was one of the things that so then, now whenever Gordon texts me that like something's going wrong or like something, I just respond, good. There's a little inside joke for us. And there's like, there's nothing you can do other than just put like, LOL. Like, it's like, come on, man. Like, really? And I'm just like good but it's yeah it's just like little things like that that are just yeah there's just so much it's really hard to pinpoint like we had i mean he did his little i don't know if they talk about it in the episodes or anything but like he loved to make us do like little things or like little challenges so if he did something we had to do something like when when we were out in san diego that first time he came up with the triple g which was gordon's grand gauntlet which was a bunch of basic This
0: gets into the football that we saw, correct? Where you guys were throwing footballs? No, no,
1: no. That was just one day. Like, we just always would throw a football around. And that was just us having fun. And I was like, hey, oh, I, could, I thought one, that was one of the challenges. No, well, one of the challenges was be- not, he wasn't involved in the Gordon's Grand Gauntlet, but he made us run a mile one time. And I hadn't run a mile since like college. And that sucked. And like, but yeah, there was just all sorts of stuff. But like, Gordon's probably favorite part of the whole rehab was probably we, we they have this thing called a watt bike, and they had the uh, the triple B. We were we got obsessed with alliterations, and okay. so it was the Boston uh, bike blackout, <laughs> and because like we, it was this workout that you did on the watt bike, you had to do four rounds, so four three-minute rounds on the watt bike, which a watt bike is a resistance bike in which if you're not pedaling, there's no momentum. So you're constantly having to pedal. And so like we put the resistance on the same thing he was having to do for like his conditioning. And we put a little leaderboard on the wall. And the first day he did it, I mean, he was dying. And I'm of course sitting over there just talking a whole bunch of crap to him. I'm like, come on, man, it can't be that hard. like," And so he's like, do it then and, I'm and then like,
0: he hits you with the challenge
1: <laughs> and so I'm like man all right and I'm thinking like I could walk over there and just knock this out I get on that thing first minute and a half it's like oh this is easy I'm cruising and I'm like khaki I'm like I'm talking a whole bunch of junk and we get about a minute and a half into it and then I'm like Whew, let's get a little tough <laughs> and because I'm trying to I had there was a distance that you had to reach and I was like I got to beat him well, I go through the first three minutes, then you have a minute minute and a half off, and then you're supposed to do three minutes again, you're supposed to do that four times. Well, that minute and a half off, like, I'm having a hard time, like, moving my legs. I get, like, 30 seconds into oh, the second man. round. And, I mean, this is not like, 6 o'clock in the morning. And I get, like, 30, 45 seconds into the second round, and my legs aren't move. I can't move. <laughs> I mean, I'm like... <laughs> And the bike's not moving because there's the resistance. There's no momentum. And I just tap out. I'm like, bro, I can't do I'm this. Out. And so I tap out. Oh, he still won't let me live that down. Like, they put a big, like, DNF on the bill. I'm like, <laughs> so, like, on the Celtics, yeah. like, little chart, like, it's like Smithers, DNF, did not finish. Oh, I didn't live that down. So then I had to jump on the, I jumped on the bike, like, every day for, like, a week and did it like back-to-back days. And I was like, all right, I got to back this up. But, oh, he never let me live that one down. That was, that, that, that was one of the low lights for me, but it was one of the funnier things that happened, you know, throughout the whole process. And mm-hmm. it was just a challenge. Like, we did challenges all the time.
0: One of the many questions that we got from users was asking about the season outlook for the Boston Celtics. What is it going to look like for them? I think – at least for me, I think they're the clear favorites in the Eastern Conference. I think they're in a tier by themselves, followed by a second tier of Toronto, by Indiana, and by Philadelphia. We see their talent. We see Kyrie. We see Gordon back. Seems like their health is okay. What do you make of it?
1: Yeah, it's it's tough to not say that obviously they're the favorites. Um, they've just got so many options. They've got so many things they're able to do. They've got so many threats like that can score, that can defend, they're interchangeable, they can switch basically the one through the five. I mean, last year they put Al and them on Giannis in the playoffs, and it's hard not to put them as the favorites. Like, obviously I'm biased, like, I'm Team Gordon, so it's like, yeah, we're going to run through everybody. But, you know, as we saw last year, it's a long season. There's a lot of things that can happen. Like, you have to get lucky to win a championship. You do and a well, lot of
0: people gave I think it was Doc Rivers a hard time for saying that no it, but I think it's absolutely true yeah, you gotta have you luck in health you have to be and you talented. gotta have things bounce your way and maybe yeah, you a gotta schedule be talented you
1: have to have the players you have to have the coach you have to have you know a lot of things that you know aren't luck based but injuries are luck we've seen what can happen like last year with Boston that's really really unlucky but there's nothing you can do about that like you know, the run the Warriors have, like, they've been pretty lucky with injuries. Yeah, obviously, they've been the best team.
0: But with the most talent. And I think Boston, I'd put them second in terms of talent. I put yeah. them ahead of Houston. Yeah, it, And they it, certainly it, have the most depth in the league, I think. Yeah,
1: they're going to be tough. I mean, Brad's, you know, obviously one of the best coaches in the league. And it's it's going to be – I mean – yeah, you'd love to be him, but at the same time, like you'd hate to be in his position because there's so many options. Which ones do you choose?
0: Well, there's two things going for him. For one, the expectations are sky high, that everybody is fully expecting them to reach the NBA Finals now with LeBron heading west. So that's something very difficult to achieve, and that's something they've got to strive to obviously obtain. But then, yeah, to your point... It's not easy making people happy. How about making all these pros happy that are out, have outstanding talent, some of them playing for contracts, some of them trying to earn bigger stature and endorsement deals throughout the league? It's a the one crazy thing, thing for him to have to balance.
1: Yeah, well, the one thing that cures all is winning. If you win, problems seem to just disappear. True. When you win, everybody gets their accolades. When you win, everybody gets their paychecks eventually. Everybody gets their sponsorship deals. Every, winning cures all and you know if they are as successful as they can be like all that stuff kind of takes care of itself and that's not an issue um and that's what you hope for i mean that's part of why golden state just keeps going because they just keep winning there's no, there's never really any any problems as long as you're winning who can complain who can say that we need to change something if we're winning
0: all right. Well, you mentioned you're going to be out there this upcoming weekend. I know you go out and meet up with Gordon sometimes in other cities throughout his season. For this trip specifically, what will you try to get accomplished with Gordon?
1: Some of the stuff you'll just have to wait and see on opening night. Pulling can't, a teaser can't, on can't, us. Can't Come give, on can't now. Give you guys everything, but no, like <laughs> a, a little of it. A little of it's just you know okay. go out there, just reinforce some things that we worked on throughout the summer. Um, you know, we're gonna, you know, obviously whenever we go out there, there's always a few tweaks that just your shot changes a little bit as you get your legs get tired and obviously he's been through preseason, so his legs are gonna be a little heavy. Yeah, from, not in game shape just yet. And so like there's obviously some little tweaks that we make onto a shot that we do throughout the season. Um, but yeah, there's that's that's our thing, is we don't there's not gonna be any cameras. There's nothing that, you know, you know you'll you'll see the results. On opening night.
0: But and that and that's what's so special, but also yet surprising too about his website, how open he has been with his fans over the last year, which I give him a lot of credit for, as he's very descriptive about not only his process but his emotions and all that, which we're seeing in a different form here with this documentary.
1: Yeah, but we're not even in the documentary. You're not seeing everything that we it's worked. It's not
0: everything on. because that would be hours and hours it and would, hours of film. But this I think has tried to capture It captures the general, the work. it purpose captures it, it. It. it
1: captures the work, it captures, you know, what exactly he is. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes him tick.
0: Um, and I thought it was fascinating. I think it was episode 2 just talking about just as a kid being that small lengthy guy considering, hey, do I even have a future here? Should I keep playing basketball? Should I move to tennis full time? Just those little things. And that also tells an entirely different story, Jason. It's funny in that how a guy even pursues it in the first place or carries on when there's maybe roadblocks initially uh, during what's not even a career, which is his childhood. Again, there's sometimes you get lucky.
1: Genetics are such a big part of basketball, but at the same time, if you didn't work hard, if you didn't put the time in it's hard, you know, you're not going to get there. Even if you have all the genetics in the world, like if you don't work hard and that's one thing that, you know, he's, he's never been the biggest, the fastest, the strongest he's never, you know, he's not like LeBron where his body is just like athletically, basically perfect. He's not, you know, Kevin Durant in seven feet. Like he doesn't have the quickness of a Russell Westbrook. So for him, it's, work 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 like you've seen the transformation in his body and how much strength he's put on and you've seen the transformation in his game when he first got to utah he ran to the corner shot threes and then ran to the other side and then you just see that transformation throughout
0: his career (laughs) i can't not think of gordon and think about transformation in two ways for one his body like Just tiny, no muscle mass whatsoever. And obviously, when you're going to mature, you're going to hit those growth spurts. And then also, he moved, as we knew him from high school, with the bulk cut, even into Butler. And then now, he's a guy that's putting product and hairspray and all different things in his hair, making it look clean every single day.
1: That's what happens when you have a wife.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? No, that's a fair point.
1: somebody Somebody holds him accountable now. He's no longer just the college kid. But, yeah, I, I mean, he's just – he's evolved. Like, as a player, you evolve. Your mindset evolves. You have a family. You evolve. Like, you're constantly changing. You're constantly improving. You're constantly changing. You're constantly improving. And, you know, it's just because of that, and you take the right mindset to things, like, that's where he's gotten himself. He's gotten himself to this situation because consistency, work, it just it, – and getting lucky, unlucky last year. sure. But that's, that's what part of the NBA is about. I mean, part of being successful in the NBA, like you can look at those guys like Tatum and Brown and, you know, as unlucky as it was for Gordon last year to be hurt, they got lucky because they're able to get a lot of experience that they may not have been able to get. Which now because of that, you know, the Celtics were probably going to be favored anyway, but now they're really favored. And so, you know, that's the whole thing is like, You know, back to the whole Jocko thing I was talking about. It's like, you know, Gordon got hurt. What's the response? Good. You hear it in football all the time. It's next man up. Like, somebody got hurt. Good. Who's next? Like, obviously, you never wish injury upon anybody, but it's what do you do when the adversity hits?
0: Well, we'll be following along all season long, Jason. I appreciate you coming through and having this extended conversation. I think taking us even further behind the curtains and into what you have been up to over the last year and in the process and the daily grind that both yourself, Gordon and others around him uh went into. I hope this is valuable and interesting uh for fans that are listening.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I hope I hope people enjoy just another, you know, behind the scenes view of kind of what went into everything and it'll it'll be fun to watch the season and again just watch his progression as things go along
0: that's jason smithers the skills trainer for gordon hayward he's with him every single day truly over this last year helping gordon through his injury his rehab his mental focus and uh attention to detail now as he returns to the floor if you haven't done so already subscribe to the pacers podcast on apple Podcasts, stitcher google play wherever you listen to your podcasts and i'll talk to you again soon